This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All of a sudden, the guy that we're with, and he was a good guy, he just pulled the video camera out and just started filming. He said, all right, tell us what we're doing. I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> you talk about awkward, man. And it's, it's, it is, it's that peace and solitude that I find. It's, it's replenishes my soul when I'm out there, and that's, that's what I find myself chasing, I think, anymore. In in terms of a successful hunt for a hunter, typically you, you wind up with the animal, you know? Um, now, that doesn't happen 90% of the time. I mean, 90% of the time, the animal wins and you come home with nothing. And I remember driving home and I just remember thinking, man, now what? Like, you know, my life was over. You know, at least I, I thought it was. And And I remember just telling him, I said, yeah, we probably could get a mule deer in South Dakota. But honestly, I just want to go to the mountains, man. Like... I just want to go to the mountains and spend some time with God. Like, that's it. And that's the message. I mean, it's a message of hope. And I, you know, I don't know who's listening to this, but man, if, if you're in a point where you're, where you feel like you don't have any hope at all, I would strongly encourage you to watch that film. This is Brett Roselle, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 14. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining me for episode 14 of Living Country in the City. Once again, I really appreciate all y'all that tune in week after week, especially those that subscribe. And now, if you like the show, make sure you find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform by searching for Living Country in the City. Hit that subscribe button so y'all can be sure to get each and every episode I release. Also, if y'all can give me a good rating, it'll help the podcast move up in those rankings. Now, today I get to talk with Brett Rizell of Backcountry Bowhunter and Whitetail Addicts. And I've got to tell y'all that I've been looking forward to doing this podcast for quite a while now. Brett was among the first backcountry hunters I started following on Instagram, and his photos and positive message have just always been a huge inspiration to me. This guy has an absolutely incredible story that y'all are going to want to hear. So without further ado, Brett, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me, man. I really do. So hope it's hope it's worthwhile, I guess, to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no doubt that my listeners will enjoy this one. 
So maybe for uh, those who aren't quite as familiar with who you are, why don't you give me just a quick background on yourself and maybe your history with hunting? Wow. Um, I mean, it would have started, shoot, I mean, many years ago. I've, I come from a family of hunters. My dad, I've got two older brothers and both of them hunt. My dad hunts, my grandpa hunts, and my great-grandpa hunts. I don't know about great-great-grandpa. I have, don't, don't, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, but I do, the, do know that my great-grandpa hunted. Well, I think if you go back far enough, it's pretty much just a given at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they had to, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so I just grew up in a family of hunters, and it's just, uh, I mean, it's just been in my blood, I guess, from an early age. I remember starting out as, you know, old enough to have a BB gun, and I started going on dove hunts, you know, with, with Dad and my brothers. And, of course, they were old enough to have shotguns at the time then. And, of course, you pull up with a BB gun, and you think you shoot everything, you know. And, of course, your dad encourages you, and, you know, he's, oh, yeah, I think you did get that one, you know. And, <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, yeah, it, it started at a young age for me. I mean, and then uh, you just grow from there, I guess. And it was always a big deal. It's just kind of a family, a Roselle tradition, I guess, that your 11th birthday, you get a shotgun. And that was, that's the, the birthday that every boy looked up to, you know, as far as um, in the Roselle household. And it still holds true today. Um, my brother, my oldest brother's got six boys and the middle one, he's got two boys. And it's the same way with them. You know, their 11th birthday, they, they get a shotgun. It's just, it's just known in the Roselle family. So, um yeah, I've been toting a shotgun around since I was 11, and of course I handled one before that, but I didn't actually own one, you know, until my 11th birthday. And uh, yeah, I grew up just hunting a lot of uh, quail in the, I grew up in Kansas, so we hunted a lot of quail, and then the quail population started to um, diminish when they introduced the turkey, and then uh, it's kind of interesting how another bird can affect the the population of, a, you know, another species of bird, I guess, but. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'd never heard of that one. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and I don't, you know, I'm not a biologist, so I can't sit here and, and claim that I know. And I was young when the, the population started to diminish. Um, I think a lot of it too had to do with a lot of farmers clearing hedgerows and just putting in more farm ground. Um, so the quail had less habitat. I think that was part of it. Oh, okay. Um, but I've, I've heard that turkeys will go out there and actually eat quail eggs. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, when turkey population started to rise, the quail population started to decrease and that's just what I've heard. You know, like I said, I'm not a biologist and, um, don't know all the ins and outs, but it, it's definitely interesting that one population is increasing while another one is diminishing. And, you know, you can't help but think that it doesn't have some sort of effect on it. Um, so yeah, I guess I started quail hunting and, and, uh, then, uh, started duck and goose hunting. That's really kind of where I guess I got my, my foot in the door. Um, I mean, I love to, to chase ducks and geese and, and I remember when I was young, I just thought, man, I'd, that'd be awesome to be able to be on somebody's DVD. Like I just, <laughs> I would buy all the waterfowl DVDs at Walmart I could buy. And I just go, you know, it was Buck Gardner is where I got my start. Um, he was a big waterfowl hunter and I'd buy all his calls and all his DVDs and every waterfowl DVD I could watch and learn from. And, and I just thought it'd be neat someday to, to be able to be on somebody's DVD. If I could be like a, you know, one of the 11 hunts on their DVD, you know, and you see me in the background or something, you know, I thought that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, so I was a senior in high school and produced, uh, we got new, we got new Apple computers there. This would have been back in the day when they had the, the colored Apple computers, you know, kind of the, the, uh, yeah, with the hockey puck mouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we were high class for a little redneck school and, <laughs> and it had iMovie on there. And so I, uh, and I, I just, kind of took a liking to it. Um, and I just built my own little first project in iMovie and, 
and boy, it's it's some rough and raw footage for sure. I was uh, <laughs> I was very inexperienced. Um, and I'll never forget we were up in Canada. Dad and I were up in Canada goose hunting, and all of a sudden the guide that we're with, and he was a good guy. He just pulled the video camera out and just started filming. He said, "All right, tell us what we're doing." I'm like, "Uh, uh. <laughs> you talk about awkward, man." I was I was awkward. I felt like uh, was it Ricky Bobby and didn't know what to do with my hands. And yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting, so I need to, I need to rip that off my uh, VHS tape and and post that up on online here one of these days. I just haven't got around to doing it. Oh um, man, you really gotta let got me know started. when that goes up. I gotta, I gotta see that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that'll be embarrassing for sure. Um, so, but that's that's where it all started, and uh, so then it would have been the the following year that I was in college and I started a, an outfitting business. And I had a buddy approach me, and he said, well, hey, if you're going to start an outfitting, and he loved to film. Um, he wasn't so much of an outdoorsman. He just loved to film. And he said, well, if you're going to be taking clients out, he said, how about I tag along, and I'll film the clients, and then I'll sell them a little DVD at the end of their hunt, you know. And then he was going to do that as a way to help pay for his video camera. And it just got me thinking. I said, well, shoot, if you're going to do that, then we might as well put together a whole DVD at the end of the year and look to market and sell it, you know, and try to get some sponsors. And he was on board and I was on board and we were just excited. And I mean, you, yeah, I mean, I was, once I had the idea, I mean, I wasn't about to shut it off. And, and I approached, uh, Fred Zink. He's the owner of, well, he sold out actually, but he's, he has avian X decoys and zinc calls. And, um, he produces some incredible Turkey decoys, but he, he started in the, the waterfowl world. He's a call maker. And then he actually carved some decoys for, uh, green gear and Avery and, uh, so we had a connection with him. A buddy of mine had a connection with him and, and made a phone call and he was willing to, to sponsor us when we had nothing. We didn't have a video camera. We didn't have anything at the time. And, and it was basically a, a I want to say it was a, I think he gave us 2000 or $2,500 in product. Um, and I remember my uh, cameraman at the time, then the guy who was going to originally film, he backed out on us and just decided he didn't want to do it. And I told my dad, I said, well, Fred's willing to sponsor us. And my dad's just been a, I couldn't have asked for a better father. I really couldn't have. Um, he's been extremely supportive of everything I've ever done. And, and he said, well, if Fred's willing to sponsor you, he said, I'll, I'll buy your first video camera. And uh, so he bought it. We bought a GL2. That was before there was HD footage. So we had a little Canon GL2. And the dad spent $3,000 on that video camera. And I just, I just kept thinking I need to somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, I mean. there was a, lot a of fair amount more back then. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of fathers that wouldn't, you know, make a $3,000 investment for their son, you know? And uh, so in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking, okay, I've got to somehow get dad $3,000 in products, you know, like somehow <laughs> to pay for this video camera, you know? And, uh, you know, over the years, I think I've managed to do that. Um, but I, it was just, to me, that was, uh, I'll just never forget how appreciative I was, you know, to, to have a father because I didn't have the money. I was a poor broke college student, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, so yeah, we just went that the first couple of years there just filming and we were switching off on the video camera between myself, my dad and my friend. And, and, uh, we managed to capture some, some pretty good footage. I mean, my, uh, team flyers was the name of the company back then. And, uh, for as young as we were, I mean, we were, we were laying down some footage. I mean, we, we knew how to kill the birds and in the waterfowl world, it's, it's a little bit more of a blood sport than the big game, you know, than bow hunting. Um, I mean, yeah, you're, it's, it's a little more of a blood sport. It is. And, uh, we knew how to, we knew how to hose the birds for lack of a better term. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of where things started. And, 
and then one day Realtree gave us a call and, and we were, we didn't even send anything off to Realtree. So I did all the video editing myself and did all the graphic design work myself and, and I sent it off to just several different companies and, and, uh, we didn't, like I said, we didn't send anything to Mossy Oak or Realtree, which were the two big camouflage companies at the time. And, and we randomly got a phone call from Realtree and they said that they wanted to sponsor us. And I thought, well, shoot, uh, I guess we'll, we're going to pick a camouflage sponsor now, you know, <laughs> and, uh, they wanted us to produce a waterfowl show for their, for their online website. And so that's what we did. And that's, that was kind of, I guess, one of, one of my many, you know, breaks, I guess. I think, I don't know if you ever get a, a massive big break. I think they're just a lot of stepping stones. Um, but this was definitely a, a little bit larger stepping stone than some of the others. And now all of a sudden here we are just a bunch of, you know, a couple of young kids and our stuff's up on Realtree's website. And at the time it was on their homepage. Oh, wow. You know, and it was getting, yeah, I also want to say they were getting like a million, you know, unique visits or something in a month or something. So here we are some no-namers, you know, out of college and our faces plastered up on Realtree's website. And now all of a sudden we, we started getting some attention and that's kind of where the sponsorships, I guess, and stuff started for me. And, and, uh, of course, you know, I was still working a full-time job and stuff. When I got out of college, I actually got my degree in pastoral ministry and uh, did youth ministry right out of college. And then I moved on to senior ministry after that. And and I don't know what it was. I I think a lot of it was just being around the people because um, waterfowl hunting is more of a social sport. You don't have to be as quiet. You know, you have to sit in a tree and just be quiet the whole time. Um, it's, yeah, it's more camaraderie. You're sitting there in a duck blind and you can talk and high five each other. And then when you start to see some birds moving, then you get quiet again and hunker down, you know, but um, I think just in the midst of being around a lot of people in the ministry, there was a, and I'd always bow hunted, um, but not near to the extent that I, that I find myself doing it now. Um, it was like, I just sat down my shotgun one day and I picked up my bow and and I, it just completely was like I flipped the switch from being a duck hunter to a bow hunter. <laughs> and I think what it was, I, I think it was just the solitude, you know, because I was around people constantly. I was, you know, making visitations to hospitals and, you know, visiting old, you know, single ladies in the, in the homes and just constantly around people all the time. And, and I really think it was just the solitude of that tree stand that just, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's what it was. And, and now I, I find myself still, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm covered in mud right now. It's probably a good thing we didn't Skype. Um, <laughs> Cause yeah, we just, just got back from my little farm. I, I just got done doing a deployment with a, and I still work a, you know, real time, a real job, I guess. And just finished though, what I finished 18 days straight on the road out in Iowa oh, and wow. uh, got back and just hopped in the side to side and ran out to a little farm that I own and ran around in some mud and checked some trail cameras and put out some mineral and, you know, got done doing that. And again, I just, you know, me and the wife, we just sat there in a little spot where we've talked about building a house. We don't know. I'd like to own some more land. Um, so we don't know if we're going to build a house on this place or not, but, um, you know, just to just, just shut the side to side off and just sit there. And we've got a little pond that I had built in there and just sit in peace and silence. And that's, I, uh, for me, that's where it's at anymore. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, obviously you want to kill, you know, you want to get an animal if you can. Um, but it's almost like the animal gives you the excuse, you know, to just go out there and hunt. And I enjoy the hunt more than I do the kill of the animal. Um, and it's, it's, it is, it's that peace and solitude that I find it's, it's replenishes my soul when I'm out there. And that's, that's what I find myself chasing. I think anymore is just that peace and solitude. And, and it gives me time to just clear my thoughts and, and regroup and, you know, 
yeah, it's just replenishes the soul. And that's, that's what I enjoy. So here I am. And once the bow hunting thing started, I spent a year off from, from sponsorships and I got burnt out in the waterfowl world too. I was young and I mean, you know, you, I found myself essentially horn myself out to, out to sponsors. Um, people would, you know, they knew that I was a young kid and I would do anything because I felt like, well, I have to have a sponsor, you know, and we had one company and I'm going to not going to mention their name, but, um, <laughs> they just, they really took advantage of a young kid and they kept telling us, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll sponsor you. You just, it was a, it was a decoy company. And, and you, when you start putting money in decoys and you can spend a lot of money on a, a decoy spread, especially when you start running full body goose decoys and, so here we are, we're, we're buying, spending the money out of our pocket because this company's telling us that, oh yeah, we'll, we'll reimburse you. Don't worry about it. You know, we're buying their blinds and all of this. And we did that for a two year run there. And finally, after never getting any sort of reimbursement, no free product, nothing. Finally, I realized, you know, this, this company's just screwing us over. Like they're just taking advantage of us. In the meantime, here we are promoting their name and pro- promoting their products. And um, and it was just things like that. Uh, I was young and, and didn't know how to run it as a business. I was just, I was just enjoying what I was doing, you know? Oh yeah. And, and the, yeah, it was definitely, companies were definitely taking advantage of a young guy who knew that he would, I would jump over backwards and do anything they told me to do for him. I mean, and um, you're not, you're not doing it just for the free product. You're not putting yourself out there. So you're going to get a bunch of free stuff. Right. I mean, you're doing it for the love of hunting, but I can imagine that, you know, if if somebody gives you their word, you want them to follow through on that. If you put out the effort to promote a certain product, oh, yeah. you know, you yeah. want them to follow through on their part. Right. Right. No. Yeah. And it's, and that, you know, and that, that was a hard lesson for me. I mean, you know, I was young and I was just, I was starting to learn the business world and the business side of, of what goes into this stuff. You know, here I was wanting to do it for a living and, and I was just starting to get a taste of, wow, this can be a very cutthroat industry. Um, if you don't get good people to work with, you know, and, um, yeah, I was just learning some, some val- valuable lessons at a young age there. And, and that was kind of part of my exit of the waterfowl world. It took something that I dearly loved and, and made a, it, it took a passion of mine and turned it into a job. Um, and that was, that was part of my exit too, out of the waterfowl world. And I'll still, I'll still duck hunt with that. Um, but I don't take any video cameras anymore. Um, you know, I've, I've even got a buddy of mine. He keeps saying you need to get back doing that. I've got a lot of waterfowl guys that still reach out to me and say, you need to, you know, produce some more waterfowl videos. And I just, I don't, I mean, for me, I, it's, it's, it, it I was kind of stripped of the pureness of it and the, the innocence of where I was at. And, and now I just, when I go, I, you know, I'm, I'll snap some pictures or something with my phone you know, but I don't even take, you know, a, a high quality camera. I've got my iPhone and that's it. If, if, if I got a good sunset or something, I'll maybe <laughs> snap a picture of the sunrise or sunset or some decoys or something just for Instagram or whatever. But I don't, you know, I'm not doing that for sponsors or anything. I'm doing that just for myself. Um, and so when I got into the bow hunting thing, of course I, and I, and I, I do enjoy the business side of it. Um, like I was, I've shared that with my wife multiple times, like, there is, I mean, it's, it's fun to, and I've, I'm kind of learning my role more. Um, I don't want to be a gym shocky. I have no desire to be a Michael Waddell or me and Tiffany or, you know, people that actually do it full time. There was a period where I, I did it full time for a couple of years and, um, didn't make a lot of money, but I made enough money to pay the bills and, and had a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I was hunting every day and, oh, yeah. you know, that was, that was a blast, but I also came to a realization that making how much I was making, I was never going to own any land. Um, and you know, you, you just start to shift your dreams and you start to figure out where you fit within the industry, I guess. And, 
I just came to the realization that I, you know, I'm, I don't have a desire to be a gym shockey, you know, I, because and those guys, they've got schedules and they've got to be certain places at certain times. And they've got to set in a booth for, you know, five hours a day at these shows or, you know, and it, it can, it can take something that you love and it can turn it into a job really quick. Um, and it's, people don't see that. They just see the television side and the Hollywood side and think, Oh, that'd be awesome. That's the best job in the world. You just get to hunt for a living. I mean, they don't see the stuff behind the scenes, you know, I mean, just the, the short films and stuff that I produce. I mean, it's uh it's a lot of work that goes into them and people don't realize that if we're driving to a destination and um, you see a nice little log cabin or something on the side of the road, just a, a pretty scenic shot, if you will, you know, we've got to stop and pull over and, and capture that shot to help tell the story. Or, you know, we may, you know, we may do some cutaways where we're walking through, you know, a shot or we're, you know, trekking up a mountain or whatever. And it's like, Oh, we got to do that again. And we, we walk through again, you know, and, it's sometimes when you're when you're packing a pack in there, especially on you know this, you, you got 72 pounds strapped to your back. You really and especially you you know you walk back in six miles, and uh, you really don't want to do that shot again. You know you you hope they capture it the first time, and it's like damn it, I've got to go back again and walk this again. Like if I've got to cross this yeah, stream uh, one more stinking time, I'm gonna <laughs> right exactly. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's the work that, that people don't see that goes into it. And, um, and not to say that I don't enjoy it because the, the finished product is always something I enjoy seeing and, and it just helps tell the story and, um, show people kind of what, what you're doing out there essentially. And I do enjoy that. Um, but to do it to the, the scale that those guys do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to, to go that route again. Um, cause it's, it's more work than what I even put into it, you know, and, and that's where it just takes something that you love and turns it into a job pretty quick. So I'm, I'm still trying to, but I still love the business side. I mean, I do enjoy the sponsors and, and producing good content. You know, I, I enjoy trying to snap some good pictures and, and get some good video and produce a couple short films or whatever. Um, so it's, I've just found my niche, I guess. And it's just, I've, I've realized that's, that's probably all it's going to be. It's just a hobby that kind of more than pays for itself is what it is. So, and I, I'm okay with that. I mean, that's, I enjoy it. And that's, I don't ever want to reach a point where I don't enjoy it anymore. So that's, that's where I'm at, I guess. Well, so. and I really think that's what's important. That's the right perspective to have that you really just, I mean, you keep hunting as a passion, regardless of how successful you become, it stays your passion that it's not just about uh, getting sponsors or getting free gear or, you know, becoming internet famous, whatever that may be. I think that's honestly kind of what originally drew me to you was that uh, to some extent you don't you're you're very genuine you don't I, I don't want to say that you don't promote yourself but you just kind of you go out and you do your thing and you yeah you put yourself out there but it's not not this giant promotion you, it's just kind of you doing you well thank you I, I appreciate that now speaking of some of these short films you mentioned um I was uh, on your Vimeo a while back, and I'd seen uh, the trailers for a couple of your short films, but until recently, I didn't realize the actual entirety of the films are available online, and so I know what I'm going to be watching during dinner tonight. (laughs) Oh, man, you must be bored. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... You know, honestly, I'll admit, I, I really cannot get enough of these uh these short hunting films um i mean uh, you know all this stuff uh, like y- you put together and uh 
guys like Donnie Vincent and a lot of the stuff, Full Draw Film Tour. And I mean, gosh, Meat Eater is just nonstop playing on my Netflix <laughs> on any given day. Right. But I mean, you know, I'm I'm still pretty brand new to this. Right. I'm just planning my my very first elk hunt coming up and you know there's there's just so much to do that oftentimes you know it's hard not to get overwhelmed and and discouraged and yeah you know i mean i'm I'm sitting here i'm i you know i'm trying to do the podcast twice a week and uh you know keep my website updated but then i've also got you know my day job and but on top of that then you know i got to do the actual work i've got to practice with my bow i've got to do my uh, scouting on on google earth and and find time to do my uh, studying on elk 101 and and all of this different stuff and it's just it's overwhelming and discouraging and sometimes i just get in this mode where i'm like how am i going to get all this done and right getting a chance to just decompress and sit down and watch a lot of these videos and these short films and these movies really i mean it just it reinvigorates me it encourages me it uh gets me excited again and brings me <laughs> back to that spot right you know where i'm reminded why i'm so excited to do this but so i was uh checking a few of these videos out here and uh looks like we've got two of them we have warrior and we have new beginnings why don't you uh just kind of tell us about your uh these two films uh, so yeah, so Warrior, um, that was a, a buffalo hunt in South Dakota, um, and that's, it's just a, uh, I guess it's just a good film as far as if you are, if you're a hunter um, and you love the hunt and you, you know, a lot of hunters want to see a successful hunt, you know, which in in terms of a successful hunt for a hunter, typically you, you wind up with the animal, you know, um, now that doesn't happen 90% of the time. I mean, 90% of the time the animal wins and you come home with nothing. I mean, I ate five tag sandwiches this last year and you know, that's a lot of money in tags that I <laughs> ate. Um, so most of the time the animals win, but this is just a, I guess it's just a good film as far as uh, we've got some good, some good footage. We've got a drone flying in there and, um, we're on a, a private, basically the, there's a lady that owns a, it's a 39,000 acre ranch out there. And the only person that owns more land than her is Ted Turner in South oh, Dakota. Wow. And so they sell, you know, basically X number of hunts each year to just basically manage the herd. That's, that's a free ranging herd out there on her place. Um, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a cheap hunt. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it cost a little bit of money. Um, but we had to do that because you can't, the only other place you'd hunt them is on national forest ground. As far as free ranging, I mean, you can go to high fence places, you know, and shoot them. Um, but that's just, that's not exactly the funnest, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of a canned hunt, but, um, so the reason we selected that is because we wanted to be able to fly our drone to capture some drone footage and you can't fly them on national forest ground at all. I mean, that's a huge no, no. Oh, okay. So we had to spend the additional money, um, in order to hunt this place. So that way we could legally fly our drone and, and just capture some of those, so some of those awesome shots. So it's, it's got some real good footage. Um, some real good scenic shots and, and we obviously are able to, to harvest the animal and it's, you know, it's a, it's an awesome hunt and always, it was a goal and a dream of mine, you know, and I've got a lot of animals that I'm going after and, um, a buffalo was obviously one of those. Um, so that's what that hunt is. And it's, it is, it's just a good hunt and just some incredible footage. We've got a shot where we're flying over the herd, um, with that drone and it's just, it's just some neat stuff. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what that is. The, uh, 
the New Beginnings film, that's my, my most recent film. Um, and that's probably the one that I'm, I'm most excited about or most proud of. Um, it's, uh, we don't have, we didn't kill an animal uh, other than a grouse. We did shoot a grouse up there. I shot a grouse <laughs> with my bone and we cooked him on the fire and, and ate him. Um, but we were going after elk and that's, uh, it's got a message of hope. And that's really, I, uh, I went through a divorce. It would have been, man, how long ago was that? That was back in 2015. So two years ago, um, my wife left me and, and, uh, just, a just kind of a sucky situation. You know, I, uh, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, you, you can't change it, but I, I wrote her letters every day for five months straight trying to win her back. And, um, long story short, it didn't work out. And, and that hunt for me, that was, I remember talking to my cameraman and I had, I'd planned on going this elk hunt, you know, a couple of years prior. I mean, as you're finding out it, you know, you put, you know, you'll put in a solid year of just research and, you know, I'm, I live in Kansas, so I don't, it's not like I live in the mountains. I mean, oh. so yeah, I'm on Google earth every day and just trying to map things out and talk to as many people as I can to try to figure out where the best spot is, where the elk are and, um, not living there. It's, it's pretty hard to do scouting from Kansas, you know, and here you're going to Montana. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of time invested and really originally I was going to go to Idaho. I had a lot of stuff, a lot of time put into, put into Idaho and I had it, I had it narrowed down to, you know, a couple little mountain ranges there that I was going to hunt. And, uh, then all of a sudden my wife left and that happened and, and, uh, everything else just kind of goes out the window when that happens. And so hunting just kind of was put on a halt and that was, that would have been in, when was that? I think that was March. Yeah. I think that was in March uh, when she left. And, uh, so the next five months, you know, I spent the next five months up until August and then we stood before the judge and I left the courtroom and it was final. And I remember driving home and I just remember thinking, man, now what? Like, you know, my life was over, you know, at least I, I thought it was. And I just remember driving it was a long drive home. Um, I'd never been in a courtroom before and that was, it was intimidating. Um, and I just remember thinking now what God, like what the hell? I never thought I would ever be here. Like, and I remember just thinking, well, you know, I, I was going to chase some elk in September, you know, so <laughs> I mean, that's, that's right where my mind went was, well, I was planning on an elk hunt in September. So, you know, here we are, it was August 29th, I think is the court date and September's, you know, right literally a couple corner. weeks around the corner. Yeah. And, uh, so I thought, well, shoot, I'll just, you know, I'll just go spend some time on the mountain, you know, and chase some elk around and try to get my mind right. And so I call on Idaho then to, you know, of course, several months have passed now since and come to find out all the tags for the unit that I was, I had put in, put my time in for it all been sold out. It was over the counter unit that I was, um, applying was going to go for and all those tags have been sold out. So now I'm scratching my brain of, man, I don't know what to do. And I was talking to my cameraman and he's up in North Dakota and just talking to him and, and we knew of a spot in South Dakota that we could go and probably get a mule deer. Um, you know, have a, the success rate was a lot higher, I guess. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember just telling him, I said, you know what? I said, I, I don't, as much as you want to harvest the animal, this wasn't for me, it was more about the mountains. And I remember just telling him, I said, yeah, we probably could get a mule deer in South Dakota, but honestly, I just want to go to the mountains, man. Like I just want to go to the mountains and spend some time with God. Like that's it. Um, if we get an elk, awesome. And we're, you know, we're going to bust it. You know, we're going to work as hard as we can to try to make it happen. But at the same token, I just want to go to the mountains. And, and that's what it was. I mean, so we just packed up and, you know, blindly, I mean, as blind as you can be, just packed up and drove there. Um, you know, I had about a week's worth of research 
put into the unit we were going, if that tells you anything. <laughs> I mean, so you talk about preparation. We had as little preparation as, as you could possibly have, I think, uh, to go to an unknown area. Um, and the mountains are big. I mean, you're going to find out there. <laughs> yeah, there it's some big sky country up there and it's, uh, pretty intimidating, you know, and, but it, it didn't matter. I mean, it was, it was a matter of just getting lost and in order that I might find myself really. And so we packed back in and we, you know, it was a do it yourself deal. And we had all the, all the goods and all the stuff that we needed. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, and it was the roughest hunt I've ever had as far as not only just did the mountains demand it from you as far as just the sheer physicalness of the hunt. Um, you know, obviously just coming off of a divorce you're my emotions were already pretty well drained. And oh, yeah. so emotionally it was, it was zapping it out of me as well. And then just the fact that we were not, we didn't see or hear an elk or even see a sign of an elk. I'm talking, we didn't see an elk track. We didn't see any elk poop. We didn't see an elk rub, nothing for like the first seven days of that hunt. And I mean, when we're packing in six miles, you know, and we're carrying camera equipment too. It's just me and a cameraman. And I don't know how much his pack weighed and my pack weighed 72 pounds and we're carrying, you know, solar power gear back in there. So we can keep our batteries charged back in the middle of nowhere. So we're probably carrying more than the average person would take in there. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it takes a toll on you and, it's just frustrating when you, you go into an area and you, you know, you spend a couple of days trying to find some elk back in there and you just finally realize that there's nothing. And then it's like, Oh crap, we got to pack back out of here, you know? And it mm-hmm. was just frustrating. You pack all your crap up and then you pack another four to six miles back out, get to the truck, you know, drive to another spot, pack back in there. And that's just it with each pack. You, you just didn't know you're walking the whole time and you're just thinking, are there any, even any elk back here? I mean, you know, we're going two mountains over or whatever. And we don't even know if there's any freaking elk back here. And then you get back into that spot and you find there's nothing back there. And we were in some, some prime spots. I mean, we had some meadows back in there that I just thought, man, this is, this is what you would think for prime habitat. Like you just picture elk coming out in these meadows like crazy, you know, and, and they had a, a lot of public, a lot of public pasturing going on out there where they've got a lot of cows. And we, we started to realize that whenever we saw cows, it was like, okay, we're probably not going to see the elk back in here. <laughs> um, so that was kind of frustrating. And like I said, it just, it mentally, not only was it physically draining and a demanding hunt, but emotionally it was just, it took it out of you um, to just keep packing in. And, and finally we saw some on the, you know, the last pack in and, you know, and now if we could have went to that spot first, which was actually originally where I wanted to be. Um, so it made me feel a little better. Like my, my Google earth searching, you know, was, was, you know, I <laughs> a little bit of indication least, there, right? You know? Yeah. So I wasn't a complete idiot, um, <laughs> so, but they had a, a forest fire in there. And so we couldn't get into the, to where we originally wanted to be first off. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we, hell we leave Kansas, pick up my man in, Cam- in North Dakota, then head over to Montana and, you know, we pull up to the spot where we wanted to go and they've got signs all over, you know, and, and it was, I want to say it was like a $1,500 fine if they caught you anywhere in that area um, because they didn't want you anywhere near that that fire. And they were still fighting. I mean, we could see helicopters, you know, flying over and dumping water back in the middle of nowhere, you know. Um, so it's like, well, crap, you know, I, I thought this was going to be a good spot. So now we've got to go to plan B and then plan C and, you know, plan Y. I mean, you know, so and then finally. <laughs> um, how many the additional there, letters do we have after that? Right, exactly. I we almost made her to Z, man. 
So, uh, and then finally we were able, they finally got the fire put out and we, you know, we were the first ones back in there and, uh, man, thank God we heard some bugling back in there that first night. It's like, Oh, this is what elk sound like, you know? <laughs> okay. There are elk here in Montana, you know, like I didn't think any elk existed, man. So, but, but by that time, I mean, we only had, you know, we only had a handful of days left. I mean, we were on borrowed time then. Um, but yeah, if we could have started in that spot, I mean, I think we could have got it done. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I look back at that trip and still even, you know, that film and I just, that trip did what it needed to do for me in that point of, of life for me. Um, I didn't need to kill an elk at that period in my life. I needed to completely drain every portion of who I was to put all that stuff behind me. Um, and like I said, and that's what I was you know, telling you about the peace and solitude, like it's there is nothing that I've been able to find that replenishes my soul like the wilderness out there. Um, it's, and that's what I needed. I didn't need to kill an elk. I needed to just, I needed to essentially work my ass off to get back in the mountains and drain myself physically. I needed to not find any elk for the first seven days or see or hear any elk for the first seven days. So it would drain me emotionally. And, and there were a couple of times where me and my cameraman were, you know, we were, we were running low on fuel and we were getting into it a couple of times, you know, um, just, just frustrations of the hunt, you know, and it was a extremely frustrating hunt. Um, so yeah, there was a couple of times where, uh, we got frustrated with one another, you could say. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I look back on that though. And by the time I got back to my house though, I was a new man. I mean, and that's what I needed. I didn't need to kill an elk. I needed God to completely drain every physical ounce that I had left and every emotional element within my body i needed all of that drained out so he could refill me and and mold and shape me into a new man and that's and that's the message i mean it's a message of hope and i you know i don't know who's listening to this but man if if you're in a point where you're where you feel like you don't have any hope at all i would strongly encourage you to watch that film um it's it's a message of hope because i was in a place where i had no hope and i I mean, I'll be honest if, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say suicide, you know, crossed my mind, you know, I mean, I, it was a very trying time in my life and, um, it was something that I didn't think I could ever recover from. And this is the title that I would always hold is, you know, I'll forever and always be a divorced man. And I can't erase that. Um, you know, it's the worst title that I'll always hold. You know, I don't plan on, you know, molesting any children. I don't plan on killing anybody, you know, so I'll never be a murderer or a, you know, child rapist or, you know, you think of the titles out there that a person can hold. Um, and for me, yeah, a divorced man is a title that I will always hold and there's nothing I can do about it. Even if I managed to have gotten back with her after the divorce, I, well, I still was a divorced man. And that was, for me, that was a big deal. Um, you know, I, uh, I didn't know if I could ever recover from that. And, and it was just, uh, yeah, I didn't, I, I had very little hope. Let me just say that, and and I found a great deal of hope. And uh, yeah, I don't know who's listening to this, but man, if you don't, if you where I was at, um, I would encourage you to watch that film, even if you're not a hunter, just because of the hope that you have. And uh, yeah, I guess if there's anything I wanted to plug or something, that would be it. And there's uh, there's hope out there, and and I would encourage you to find it. So so yeah, that's I guess that's the film in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is really just such an amazing reminder of how God knows well really exactly what we need uh, when we need it. And oh, yeah. I mean, so often that is the 
complete opposite of you know what we would have imagined or chosen for ourselves right. i mean oh yeah you know, probably if you had you had figured this out for yourself, you know, you would have you would have said, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna I'm gonna get an elk and have this amazing hunt, yeah. and it's going to distract me and take my mind from all this stuff." Well, I mean, you probably wouldn't have sat sat down and said, uh, "I'm gonna have this miserable hunt where you know absolutely everything goes wrong," and it's just oh, yeah. it's just really yeah. a fantastic reminder of. God will give us exactly what we need when we need it. Oh, absolutely. And I'll make sure to link to both of these films on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 14. This is episode 14. Um, Also grab all your info um, so people can reach out uh, and contact you. I'll get that all posted up. Oh, awesome. Uh, Once again, that's livingcountryinthecity.com slash 14. Now, as I've been following you on Instagram, one of the things that really uh, uh, piqued my interest that I saw was you posted a few pictures of it looks like you're uh, doing some stuff now with some local schools. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? So, so yeah, that's uh, <laughs> and I just started here um, in the last year. Um, and honestly, I, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't noticed, I I have a heart for preaching. I mean, I love to preach. Um, and I was, I served in the ministry for several years and I went through some interesting circumstances there, I guess, to see some politics behind the scenes that just kind of frustrating with churches, I guess, and shouldn't exist, but it is what it is. Um, and now I'm not doing that, (laughs) but, uh, I still, I still miss, I guess, offering encouraging words to people. Um, I, I believe I have a gift for speaking and I love, being able to motivate people through words. Um, you know, my wife's a school teacher, my current wife, my new wife, my awesome wife. And, uh, she's a school teacher. Like I was telling her, you know, it's for a teacher. I don't think there's anything more rewarding than to be talking to your class. And, and all of a sudden you see those light bulbs turn on, you know, for those kids. And finally they understand what it is you're trying to say and those light bulbs turn on. And, you know, and that for her, that's just extremely rewarding. Um, and for me, it's, it's no different through, through my messages, I guess, or my words to, to see those light bulbs click on and to, to encourage people, to motivate people, to inspire people. Um, it's, to me, it's just very fulfilling. Um, so I've been missing that. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, you know, maybe I, I need to start speaking again. Um, and that's, you know, long story short, that's what I would, you know, Lord willing, I'd like to start getting back into that and maybe do that full time again um, in a different realm. Uh, Cause I, the, the church can be behind the scenes can be kind of nasty at, in times. Um, so yeah, I just started. I reached out to uh, uh, who did the, or no, my uh, my high school basketball coach actually reached out to me, and and it was kind of again like you just said. I mean, God knows what we need when we need it, and um, and I was just telling the wife, you know, we left the uh, the church service where we go to now, and and I was just telling her, I said, you know, I I miss preaching, you know, I miss I miss providing encouraging words with people, um, and uh, it, I'm not kidding. It was maybe three days later. Um, I get a random text message from this number that I didn't know. Turns out it was my high school basketball coach and said, Hey man, you know, I don't know what you're up to these days, but would you mind coming and, and giving a presentation to the kids here at the school? And I thought, hell yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Like you don't even know, <laughs> uh, like I was just asking for something, you know, and, and now here God just gives me that opportunity. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And then that, you know, I just made one post and the next thing you know, I've got a couple more invites, you know, and I'm like, holy crap, like this is awesome. Now I didn't, you know, I didn't get paid for them. You know, I did them for free. Oh, okay. um, 
but I mean, shoot, the, just the, just the fulfillment to see those kids light up was, was payment enough for me, you know? Um, but it's, it's not like it's going to pay the bills anytime soon, but you know, Lord willing, maybe something can work out of it and maybe I could start getting some, some paid gigs, you know, so where I could maybe quit my full-time job and do that full-time. But, um, yeah, so yeah, I spoke at, you know, a couple different schools and still have a couple other opportunities. And I'm just trying to work those in, in, in the midst of the busy schedule that I've got with my, my real full-time job. Um, so that's kind of frustrating. I don't have as the availability, um, but yeah, I've got a couple other schools that are wanting me to speak and, um, it's just a matter of trying to find the time to, to squeeze them in. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy it. I mean, and to be able to one encourage those kids to pursue their dreams. I mean, really that's, that's kind of the goal. Um, you know, I've, I'm still pursuing my dreams. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm 31 and I'm just living life. And I mean, life's too short not to, not to get everything you've got, you know? Um, so I just, I want to see those kids. I remember when I was young and had, you know, some motivational speaker come to our school and, you know, put some crazy idea to pursue my dreams. And, you know, here I've been, I've been able to, to live several of my dreams out. Um, I've still got future goals and future dreams that I'm pursuing. Um, but yeah, so I, to be able to pay it forward, I guess, to those kids. And um, it's just a lot of fun. Of course you hear the, you know, the typical, I want to be a professional football player, or basketball player, you know, professional athlete. And, and uh, you know, like, like all of us, you know, at some point. And uh, yeah, it's uh it's just fun. I mean, it's just a lot of fun to see those kids and hear their dreams and remember that I was that age once and, and encourage them, Hey, you can, you can make this stuff happen. It's going to require a lot of work. You know, it's not, uh, it's not going to be given to you. I can promise you that. Um, but it's in the end, you know, it's going to be rewarding and it's going to be fulfilling if you do accomplish your dreams, but you're going to have to work for it. Um, so yeah, just to encourage those kids to insp- hopefully inspire them to live their dreams out, you know, like I've been had the privilege to live out some of mine. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing, I guess, with the schools and, and it's, it is, it's been pretty, pretty rewarding and, and fulfilling for me to do that. So. And I mean, not only is that rewarding for you, I mean, that's, that is super important for the kids as well. And I mean, also just for hunting and, and this lifestyle in general, because I mean, albeit, you know, these aren't kids growing up in the center of Los Angeles or Manhattan. So they're, likely a little more exposed to the outdoors and hunting than, you know, a lot of people say that I grew up with. But, you know, this could, for a lot of them, be their first real exposure to someone who hunts or hunting or that culture in general. And it's a positive one. It's good reinforcement. And, you know, they're going to remember, hey, this guy was this guy that taught me to follow my dreams, you know, and he was this encouraging, uh, inspirational guy rather than their first experience with a hunter being, uh, say, from some strange movie or something where the whole idea of this is villainized or where, you know, it's just some uh, idiot, drunk, redneck bubba or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, they showed my Buffalo film is what they showed. And I was I was kind of surprised that they were willing to show that you know it's got a an impact shot you know to be politically correct i guess um so yeah there were several several girls in there i'm sure that that was the first animal that they saw die at the hands of a hunter you know um so yeah of course you had a couple boys though too like oh he smoked him you know like yeah, that kid's a he knows what the kill shot is you know like oh yeah he knows what's up you know and then of course a couple girls oh oh you know and uh, but they just 
a lot of people, I mean, I'm just afraid that a lot of these younger kids too, are growing up in a generation where they just go to Walmart and they see meat that's, you know, wrapped up in a shrink wrap and, and that's how meat comes. And they don't understand the process that goes into getting that meat in the shrink wrap, you know? Um, yeah, that meat was bloody at one time, believe it or not, you know? And yep, that was, that was cut off with a knife off of an animal. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that animal was alive at one point. Like, that's what goes into that. And I think we're losing touch with reality of where that stuff comes from. And we're, we're raising a generation of, you know, snowflakes, if you will. I, that term has been used here lately in politics. Um, but I mean, it's, I think it's very true to some extent. I mean, we've just got a lot of people that are, they don't understand how that stuff gets there. Um, and I, and hopefully it's a, it's a part to be able to educate those kids as well. And yeah, this is, and it's not, and not to say that it's for everybody. I understand if you don't want to go out there and, and harvest an animal, I get that. Um, it's, I mean, it is a, uh, it takes, it's a lot of responsibility. I mean, I don't, I don't know as of a hunter. Um, there's not a single hunter that I know that loves to see an animal suffer. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're an idiot if you love to see an animal suffer. I mean, I, there's no room for that at all. I mean, I've, I've raised baby deer. I've had baby deer in my house, you know, and I'll sit there and bottle feed them. And, you know, you've come across a stranded one or whatever, or a, a buddy of mine has a, has a facility that he's able to do that. And I, you know, yeah, he's like, hey, I've got one. Do you want to take care of one for a while? Absolutely. You know, so yeah, we'll we'll nurse this baby back to health mm -hmm. and then, you know, release it back into the wild or put it out there in his facility or whatever. Um, so I, I care about these animals dearly. I really do. Um, at the same token, though, I, I still know that my creator has put me as a steward over these animals. And, um, and I love the meat that they provide my family. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, I can't tell you the, the amount of money that we save by not having to go to the store and buy our meat. Um, because we, we harvest it ourselves, Um, and it's not only, not only does it save us a ton of money, but it also, it's, it's some of the healthiest meat that you can get. I mean, I'm not a big organic guy. You know, I don't go to the store and buy a lot of organic stuff or whatever. Um, but the same token, if you're an organic nut, I mean, this is as organic as it comes. <laughs> I mean, there's no preservatives into this stuff. There's none of that junk. I mean, yeah, it's, it's right from the field to the table. I mean, yeah. So if, if that's your kick, then by all means. Well, it's funny because I was just actually having almost this exact discussion with some coworkers of mine. And one of them, uh, he was talking with a friend that lives up in Canada and uh, this friend of his hunts. And, you know, right. they were just in general talking about, you know, family stuff and, and swapping stories and, you know, the the idea of, you know, how, oh, how much do you spend on groceries each month? Uh, you know, they both kind of have full families and uh the the one guy's like, well, you know, I spend maybe hundred, hundred and fifty bucks a month, and they, you know, they're looking at him like he's crazy, and right? Like, nah, there's absolutely no way that that's all you're spending, <laughs> and you know, they keep talking about it, and all of a sudden they come to realize it's like, well, oh, it's because he never has to buy meat. You know, he goes out and goes hunting for the year. He gets deer or he, you know, takes a moose and he's set for <laughs> a, yeah, a yeah. very oh, yeah. long time yeah. on meat for his whole family. Oh, yeah. Well, it's healthier too. I'm, I mean, it, yeah, it's a healthier meat as well. Like, you know, my, my, uh, my wife now, I mean, she was, she's kind of a city girl. She, uh, she came from the city and she, we just got her, her first deer this year. Um, so I break, I, you know, I, I broke, broke her in pretty quick, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like she was saying, we're sitting there cutting the, cutting the back straps up and she's like, there's no fat on this. And I'm like, I know, babe, like I'm telling you, this is healthier stuff. You know, this is healthier than even beef. It's, it's a leaner meat. There's, there's no fat on it. You don't have to worry about cutting any fat off, you know? It's, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's some lean stuff. I mean, so not only is it, 
healthy organic wise, but it's just the healthier meat. It's a leaner meat. So, I mean, yeah, there's that argument, I guess, as far as people who, who don't enjoy it or, you know, and I supply meat to, to friends of mine too. I mean, that's just it. If you don't, if you don't want to go out there and take part in the harvest of the animal yourself, I mean, give me a holler. I'll, you know, I'll cook you a deer steak, you know, come on <laughs> over. And, you know, I, so I share the meat as well with my friends and family. And I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, and that's what we did hundreds of years ago. You know, that's what we had to do. You know, maybe you weren't a guy that was out there harvesting the animal, but you were the one collecting the berries, you know, you're out there picking the berries and mm-hmm. then we come, come to the table together. And then we share this stuff amongst ourselves. You know, that's what our ancestors had to do. They didn't have a grocery store where they could go buy a little foam deal that had some shrink wrap, uh, you know, around it. And no, I mean, that's, yeah, that's where we came from. Um, and if we lose sight of that, I mean, I think it's, we need to keep it in perspective, not to say that you have to do it, but I definitely think you need to keep it in perspective of where we came from, you know? Well, you know, there's that, um, there's that MR James quote that's, that's pretty well known. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to sit and read the whole thing, but mm. you know, it's. He talks about, you know, well, others are only going to eat, you know, plants and nuts and yep. and others may uh, employ uh, uh, different people to yep. get their meat and their feathers and all those necessities of life. And, you know, that's their right. And I, I wish them all the best. But, yep. you know, the one thing I ask is that nobody begrudges me um, and everyone else who answers that like primitive stirring as a hunter, um, right. Yeah. You know, my right to do these things. Right. And, you know, I mean, really it's just comes down to, you know, you do you and I'm not going to stop you from living your life the way you want to. Right. But, you know, don't try and impose that on me. Don't try and take away my right to live my life. How, you know, I feel is right. And what, what I feel speaks to me. Oh Yeah. Well, and it's, it's rewarding too. I mean, you know, we're, we're starting to run out of meat now. Uh, we're, we're getting a little lower. We're gonna have to go catch some fish now, but <laughs> you know, I mean, I can't tell you when, and especially as a, as a man, as a quote unquote provider, you know, when I sit there and I slap it's, and I can tell you it's different whenever I, we, not to say that we don't buy beef. I mean, we'll usually, I, we've actually, we'll buy a cow usually from a farmer, a local farmer. Um, so we still don't get it from the grocery store, but we'll, you know, buy a cow from a farmer and we'll cook the steaks or whatever. Cause I still do enjoy the beef. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's still so much more rewarding. I can, I can tell you the difference of when I slap the, the beef on the, on the pan or the grill, as opposed to that deer steak. And every time I'm cooking that deer steak, when I flip it over, um, just looking at it like, yeah, I, you know, I did this from start to finish. I did this. Like, not only did I pattern this animal and figure out his habitat and figure out where he's going and, you know, but then I was able to close and seal the deal on him you know, put the arrow in him and, and get him down. And, and now here we are full swing. And now that animal is providing food for my family and, and for myself. And it's, it's a, it's very rewarding. I mean, it really is. And maybe I'm just getting older, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but it's, I, I do. I mean, I just, you'll find you start to have even more respect for those animals. And the fact that this was, this was something that God essentially gave us to provide for our family. Um, and yeah, I mean, I make enough money that yeah, I could go buy some groceries. I get that, um, but there's just something that is extremely rewarding, and it's it's you know the circle of life coming full swing, and wow, this animal has you know this is the provisions that God's given us. I mean, it's providing for my family, and now I've got a little boy on the way, and he's due in July, and I'm super stoked about that, and you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna raise him out in the woods too to do the same thing. Like, 
And yeah, and you're going to have respect for those animals the same way that I was raised. I mean, you know, my dad, don't kill anything that you're not going to eat. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. So, and that's, yeah, just, just don't take that right away from me. If it's not for you, I realize it's not for everybody and that's fine. And I'm not going to knock you for it if you eat nuts or, you know, you're some vegan or, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's fine. That's, yeah, you do you. But at the same token, let me continue to be me, you know? Now, I do have to take a second and congratulate you and your wife on the new addition to the Roselle family. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, we're stoked. We're excited. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw uh, your post online, and, um, it, you know, I, uh, I've i got a brother and sister, and um, they all, they've had all boys, um, and... So, you know, my, my parents are kind of looking at me like, hey, you know, so when are we going to get a granddaughter? But oh, <laughs> it looks like you've got the boy gene in the Roselle family as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it runs strong in the Roselle gene. That's for sure. Yeah, the oldest, my oldest brother, of course, mom didn't have any girls at all. The oldest brother's got six boys. Uh, the middle brother, he's got two boys and both of them, they're done having kids. So, you know, now it's all on me. And it's, it's kind of funny. Of course, see, I think even my brothers were pulling for a girl on this one, you know, and I'm like, come on guys. Like, you know, at least let me have my boy too. Like I was pulling for you guys to have a boy. Like, let me have my little hunting buddy, you know, and then we can have a girl. Like, I don't, I'm not opposed to having a girl. Don't get me wrong, but I still want my hunting buddy, you know, you know, and not, so, and not saying yeah, that the so girl sure won't enough, be a little hunting buddy too, but you know, as guys. Oh, I guarantee you. Yeah. She'll, yeah. She'll be a little redneck in her own way. Yeah. She'll be out there in her little, you know, tights or whatever you know but she'll yeah she'll be she'll redneck. be giving you a shocky a run for her money right yeah absolutely absolutely and i saw the post recently that you put up that almost had me in tears um uh you posted the text message from your wife about uh wanting to get her first gun oh yeah <laughs> she's oh man she's a blessing to me like <laughs> she's she just makes me smile so much. I can't even tell you. And again, just from where I was two years ago to where I am today is, is just a testament to God and his, his restoration within, within a human heart. But, um, she's, she's something else. She's just, she's so stinging funny and she doesn't even know how funny she is. Like, I'll just sit back and just, I'll just look at her and just smile. Like she's just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just oblivious. And I mean, she's just, she's funnier than not. She really is. Yeah. So, <laughs> she's a city girl and you know, we got her first deer and, and uh, she was pretty excited about that. And, and then, yeah, I get that text as a deer, she's wanting a gun. Of course I spent a lot of time on the road this time of year. And, and, uh, so she's wanting a little gun for protection and yeah, the, and she even got the sound effects, right. You know, did you notice that the, what was it? The click pew pew, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, saw that. And you know, of course, when you, when you read that, you have to do the sound effects yourself out oh, loud yeah. and kind of go through the process and be like, Oh no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she got that right. Yeah, city girl, <laughs> She even got the sound effects right. And she's, she's probably going to die if she hears this. She's uh, it's funny. I'm a, I'm an extreme extrovert. Like I just, you know, I don't, I don't hold anything back. I mean, but she's a, she's an introvert and she's, she's going to be embarrassed. I bet just listen to this part now when she hears this, you know, um, she's going to turn red and, but it's, it's, she's so funny. Oh my gosh. I love her to death. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. She is awesome. <laughs> so if you don't mind sharing with everyone, uh, how'd the two of y'all meet? Yeah. So that's, no, that's a good story. Um, so, <laughs> so true story. Um, this would have been, so my first wife left in March. And like I said, I wrote her letters every day for five months straight up until our divorce was final. I believe it was August 29th. And, uh, 
So she never gave me any reasons as to why I left. Um, now, I, and I wasn't a perfect husband. Don't let me fool you. I mean, I was, you know, I was definitely, I was a selfish man. Um, I, uh, you know, I went on that Buffalo trip. Um, you know, that was probably one of them. And I spent a lot of money on that. Um, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't making the money that I'm making now. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So I, uh, I made a lot of selfish, selfish decisions, um, not realizing how they would directly affect my wife or, or whatever. Um, and we had, we just had some, oh, just some interesting experiences. But so I never had any closure. Um, she never told me why. She said it's just a lot of things. And that's all she kept telling me. I didn't cheat on her. I didn't beat her. I didn't, you know. And I just said, well, what's, why? And she never gave me any of those things. So it would have been, I want to say two weeks before our court date was final. So, you know, five, I mean, essentially five months have passed and, and I, and she was just cutting off all communication. And eventually start, she started blocking me on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know? And uh, so I'm, I'm realizing, and this is where I'm losing hope. Like it's, it's dwindling down. I'm realizing it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I, you know, of course I'm hitting my knees every day and praying and, you know, I'm still wanting to work out and just never had anything. And, and I talked to several different guys in the midst of that divorce and just asking them how, how they got through theirs or, you know, is there any light at the end of the tunnel of this thing? Or, I mean, I, at the time I'm sitting there thinking, I'm not getting, if this doesn't go through, I'm not getting married ever again. You know, like there's no way I'm going through this again. Like I can't, I, there's no way I can handle going through this again. Like it's a, it's a breakup on a whole nother level. I mean, it's not a high school breakup, you know, where your high school sweetheart breaks your heart or whatever. It's, it's a breakup on a whole nother level. And thank God we didn't have any kids. I don't even imagine what, what those people go through. Um, you know, and especially the divorces where they bash each other on social media or whatever, and they're fighting over custody or man, some of that stuff gets ugly. Oh man. I can't even imagine. Oh yeah. I mean, it was the cleanest divorce you could ever ask for. And with that being said, it was still the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, but it was two weeks up into the court date and I just not having any closure. I still wanted to understand why she's leaving. Um, because I felt like if I could understand why she was leaving, then I could fix it. And then I could make her not leave, you know, which was ultimately <laughs> my men, goal. We like to fix um, things, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And if we don't know what to fix, then we feel it even more helpless. Mm -hmm. Um, so I talked to several different guys about their divorces and stuff. And, and there was just, I can't explain it, but there was just, a. I felt like I needed to talk to a woman who'd been divorced. And I didn't have any good, you know, solid Christian friends that were, you know, women who had been divorced. So I didn't really know who to go to. And I, I so I call it, call me crazy. I, and I got this idea. I'm like, well, I could just go on a dating website and find a divorced <laughs> woman on there to talk to, you know? So it's true story, true story. I'm not making this up. So I signed up for christianmingles.com and I didn't upload a picture or anything because I still wanted my marriage to work out. Mm -hmm. And I remember even praying before I got up, I'm like, God, you know my heart. Like, I'm not here looking for a date. Like, I still want my marriage to work out. Like, I'm not, you know, so please just, you know, not that I'm accountable to anybody else, but I just want to reassure you, God, and you know, like, we're good here. You know, if anybody else asks, like, you just tell them, God, like, yeah, he wasn't looking, you know. So I just, I went through a whole deal there before I even signed up and I'm like, okay, like God knows my heart and that's all that matters. So screw anybody else if they think that I'm here or whatever. If somebody, my fear was somebody's going to see my, recognize my profile or something, or, you know, I don't know. I just had a fear that maybe some local person's like, oh, what's old Brett cheating on his wife or something, you yeah, know? Yeah. There's a lot of people that didn't even know that we were separated, you know? Um, and I kept that hush hush too, one out of pride. I didn't want people to know. And then two, at the same token, I wanted to make it as easy for her as possible to come back. So that way, if she ever did come back, I'd be like, well, honey, see, they, they don't even know 
Like they don't even know you ever left, mm -hmm. you know? So, so it's okay. We can just pick up, pick back up where we left off and it's, it's not even that big a deal. We don't, we don't have to tell anybody that we ever went through this, you know? So that's, that's another reason I kept it on the down low. Um, so it was a pretty private divorce, I guess. Um, so yeah, so I signed up. That would have been, like I said, about two weeks before my court date. And I sent out a message to, of course, you can search for divorced people, you know, whether you want them to be single or whatever, you know, you can, you can put that in your search criteria. And so I just searched for divorced women, you know, within my age range. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll find just a, a just a solid Christian girl who wouldn't mind to just, you know, talk to me as a, as a friend, you know? And, uh, so I sent out two messages to two girls and I thought, God, I'm just going to send out two messages. Like I said, I don't have a profile picture up or anything. So they, you know, I could be some, you know, ugly person or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so, but I, it doesn't matter because I wasn't there looking. And uh, so, I mean, naturally, I guess I did pick a couple of attractive girls, I guess. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if that played a role in it or not, but it, I don't know. Maybe my eyes are just drawn. I'm like, ah, that looks like a sweet person. Maybe I'll send them any, you know, a message. So I sent out two messages and I thought, okay. If I get a response back, awesome. If not, then I was never supposed to be here and I'll shut this account down and, you know, and I'll, I'll figure it out from here on out, you know, and I was like, God, you know, my heart. So, so I sent out two messages and I just copied the one I copied it and pasted it into the other one. It was a long paragraph, you know, and it started off, Hey, you know, something about, I realize you're probably here looking for a date since this is a dating website. I said, I just want to be upfront and honest with you. You know, technically I'm still married. Uh, my court date's coming up on such and such day and I still want it to work out. Um, you know, long message, just let them know. I said, basically long story short, I, I just need somebody to talk to and that's it. And I just, I see that you're divorced. I was just wondering if you could, you know, help me better understand my wife. And uh, so I sent those two messages out. Of course, you know, you're sitting there just waiting <laughs> and no response, you know, no response coming back. It's not, I am, you know, it's like, okay, you gotta wait for it to happen. So I was like, okay, whatever. I, it is what it is. You know, and I felt kind of like a nerd and a dork and you know, I kind of put myself out there to people who I didn't, I had no clue who they were. And, and I realized, you know, it's like, who's this idiot, you know, some moping, sorry, human being, you know, and just a worthless, I mean, that's the state I was in, you know, and, but I was desperate and desperate times call for desperate measures. And as Michael Scott would say, I think it produces the best results. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I uh, sent the message out and, and uh, I got a response back from one of them and this is, and I can't make this up. She, uh, one sent me a message back and said, my husband left in March too. And I'm here for the same reason. Let's talk. Oh, wow. And I thought, holy crap. Yeah, it was, it was, it was not at anything I had expected. You know, I was expecting to get the response. Oh yeah. You know, my, my husband, you know, I was divorced, you know, five years ago. Um, and here's kind of what would happen and here's what transpired, you know, and, you know, they're on the healthier side now, you know, they've moved past that now. And the last thing that I ever anticipated was to get an email back. And we're talking, I only sent this out to two people out of the thousands that I could have sent this to. I sent this out to two people. And one of those two people says, yeah, my husband left in March too. Let's talk. Holy cow. Like, and, and now I, and now my heart hurt for her. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, she's hurting too. Like, so we just started talking and I was praying for her husband. She was praying for my wife. Um, and it, it turned into an incredible experience. Um, just, just the healing process alone. And, uh, yeah, so I, she, you know, of course she knew what my court date was and she said, and it was, this is all through, through the, you know, their dating website service. Um, we didn't exchange anything else, you know? And so she sends me a message to them and says, Hey, I want to let you know I'm praying for you you know, my court date, I'm like, thanks, you know, and then her court date came up like a couple weeks later and said, Hey, I want to let you know that I'm praying for him. And our, 
not only did our spouses leave at the same time, but our, our court dates were almost the same time. Um, oh, wow. Now that's just you know, crazy. So naturally, I show up to court and, oh, yeah, I, like, I can't write this story, dude. I can't. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not intelligent enough to come up with this creative <laughs> of a story. So, uh, so yeah, my, my divorce didn't work out, or my divorce, my, uh, my marriage didn't work out. And uh, then she, it was still like a couple of weeks before her court date. And, and, of course, I'm just still talking to her as a friend and praying for her and praying for her husband. And, and uh, yeah, long story short, hers didn't work out. And so now here we are, neither of our marriages worked out. And I remember just, I remember just thinking, like, I still like talking to this girl, though. You know, and I, I miss the companionship. That's what I realized most about my marriage was, you know, as men, you know, we're, we're driven by sex a lot, you know, and, and I didn't miss that. I missed just the flat companionship just having somebody to talk to and just be my best friend. Um, that's what I missed. And, and here I've got a new friend. Like, and so I just, I just wanted to talk to my friend. I didn't care anything else about anything else. Really. I just, this is a cool girl that I like talking to. Um, so we just kept the communication open and then eventually, you know, we, we exchanged phone numbers or Facebook, I think maybe was first. And then, uh, you know, cause I didn't have a, I didn't have a profile picture. So I had a, you know, I'm like, well, just so you know, like, I'm not some creep, you know, like, I'm not a loser, you know, we just want you to know, you know, um, so, so yeah, so, and then it just progressed from there, and, and I, I'm telling you, here, I, I was a man that I went from, I'm never going to get married ever again, to next thing you know, this thing's going faster than I ever anticipated, and I'm just like, God, whoa, what's going on, like, like, you know my heart, like, you know what I just went through, like, I don't want to do that again, like, but at the same token, I mean, if, you know, if you're going to extend me some blessings, like, I mean, I don't want to reject them either, you know, but I just, I don't, I don't want to jump into this too quick, you know? And, uh, man, he was just giving us every green light. Um, so much so that she, so she lived two and a half hours away and she applied for a math position over here, a teaching position. And they gave her the, they offered her the job on the spot. And I thought, Oh man, like, wow, this is getting real now. Like, talk about taking leaps of faith. Like I may just jump into another marriage and I'll be honest, like, and it, it did, it went quick. I mean, we ended up getting, so, I mean, in less than a year after my divorce was final, granted there was five months of that of separation, I guess, but um, I mean, in less than a year, so that was in August. And then by next July, I was married again. Um, and I mean, yeah, it'll be a year in July here. So July 16th will be a year. And of course our baby is due July 25th. So it didn't even take us that long to make a baby. You know, I mean, we, uh, <laughs> we've been going pretty quick here. So, but I, it's, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. And I, uh, I'm telling you, man, it, God is good. I can't, you know, I don't want to preach and bore your people hey, man, out. Preach, people all, you want, Bible, preach all you want. It's just a testament to him. It's uh, I, it is. I mean, it's just a, it's just a testament to how, how quickly he can restore the heart of a man. I mean, I, I never thought a woman could break a man's heart as badly as mine was broken. You know, as men, we're supposed to be the tough guys, whatever. Um, I never thought that I could have, that I would have been that type of emotional wreck. I, I was, I was devastated, man. And devastated doesn't even do it justice. I, when I say the future looked very bleak, I mean, I, I, it looked bleak. Um, I didn't see any hope at all. I didn't. Um, yeah, I was just going to wander through life all the remaining rest of my years and just survive, you know, and if, if that, if you even call it that. Um, so the fact that if you'd have told me that I'd have been getting married, you know, in another year, I mean, I'd have said, you're crazy. I, there's no way. And then to have a kid on the way yet. I mean, no, 
<laughs> you know, no way. It's just uh, it's just a testament to God and his restoration within the heart of a man. I mean, and he used he used this little woman. And, and yeah, so obviously that's the girl who I married, you know? I mean, it's one of those two that I sent a message to. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that God brought us together. I mean, out of the thousands of people that I could have sent a message to, and I only sent two out, I just randomly sent one to her. And come to find out she was in the exact same place that I was. And I can't help but, but think that God originated that. I mean, he's the one that orchestrated that, you know. And um, and that other woman you sent a yeah, message to has used... no idea what she's missing out on. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. I don't, man, I don't even remember her name. I don't, you know. It's, like I said, I wasn't there looking for anybody, you know. I I went there just looking for some answers, you know, to my current failed marriage and and I ended up walking out of there with a wife and it blew my mind. And, and I shared with her too, you know, cause, cause on those websites, you can like leave your testimony or whatever, you know, or you know, I thought, boy, we've got one heck of a testimony. Like I bet we'd be like their, their uh, poster child, you know, like oh, this couple, you know, but see if you, here's what's funny. You, you technically, you're not supposed to, we were, I guess we were both illegal in what we were doing. Cause technically you're not supposed to sign up if you're married. And, and technically, I guess by the book, we were both essentially still married, so we were breaking the laws of the uh, you know website dating <laughs> of the realm. Christian mingle um, law. Yeah, we were rebels. So, but uh, it paid off for us. So I, I wouldn't change a thing about it. That's for sure. So, <laughs> well, I think they might uh, forgive you and make an exception for that story. Right, right. Well, if we tell them that their services work, you know. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I'll be up at my folks' place, and you know I always see those commercials. Well. Those in the farmers only. Oh, farmers only. Oh my gosh, those commercials. Aren't those cheesy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot handle them. And oh my gosh, all my friends. Uh, any Anytime they see one of those commercials, I get a text message from one of my friends with a <laughs> screenshot yep. that says, hey Sam, you know, I found something for you. Right. And I'm like, okay, right. yeah, I, I, yep. I get it. Ha ha, very funny. Uh, not really anymore. <laughs> well, I'll be waiting. Next time I'm up there, I expect to see y'all on the next uh, Christian Mingle commercial. Right. Right, yeah. Well, you you may not. So she's she's an introvert. She may not want the uh, she may want the attention or the publicity. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I really do want to say thank you for just sharing that story and and really just in general uh, being willing to open up about that and you know really be vulnerable and it's a testament to the healing that God can bring. I mean, that was such a difficult situation, but but look at look at where you are now. And I mean, it's so easy to just fall into that depression and let it take over your life. But, you know, like we said earlier, God really brings you what you need when you need it. And, you know, I mean, look at you guys now. It's so encouraging and so exciting to see what's going on with your life and, and, and your new wife. Like I can just hear you talk about her and the love in your voice when you talk about her and, you know, your new little hunting buddy that's come in. And so that's just so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited. So uh, what's next on the plate for you? Um, you know, what are you what are you doing this year? I mean, you've got the kid coming. Uh, yeah. So I imagine that's going to put a, a bit of a kink in your uh, typical hunting plans. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's it looking like for you this year? Oh, yeah. So... Well, I mean, obviously the birth of my kid, I mean, that is, that is first and foremost. And it's, you know, and that's just, I've, I've completely, God is changing me as a man. I mean, I, you know, three years ago and I love to hunt, don't get me wrong. That's, that's not going away anytime soon, 
Um, but my gears are definitely shifting. Um, I've turned, see, I'm in a season now where I'm actually making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I've got, I actually have the, the, the money to, to spend on some big trips. Um, I, I want to hunt everything. I mean, at the top of my list is to bow hunt a brown bear, you know, on Kodiak Island. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's, that's my top hit lister. Um, and I, you know, New Zealand was, you know, Red Stag in New Zealand, uh, you know, moose in Alaska. I mean, you name it. I mean, I want to hunt them all. Um, but I found myself, you know, three years ago making the money that I'm making now. Oh, I'd be hunting everything. Um, I would, I'd be, I'd be blowing that money on these trips and yeah, I'd be taking them. Um, but it's, it's very interesting how, you know, with this pregnancy and, and knowing that I've got a kid, I am, my gears are shifting and I want to, I just, I want to do a phenomenal job of providing for my family. Um, you know, I had an incredible father and, you know, my dad, he just went to New Zealand shoot just this year. I mean, and he's, he's made, he's made really good money. Um, but he was, you know, he was buying land. I mean, here in Kansas, I mean, a lot of stuff gets leased up around here. We've got some big deer around here. Um, and it's getting to the point where if you don't own something, you're probably not going to have a place to hunt. You know, we do have some public hunting, but it gets hunted hard. Um, and it's, yeah. So I find myself in the same situation where I, you know, I was originally going to go to that, um, trip to New Zealand with my dad. Um, we we're going to hunt together and I, I'm just, I'm finding that I, I want to be wise with my money. Um, so I find myself buying land right now. Um, and I'm, I'm actually turning some properties and, and making some money, going to make some money doing this. I'm just right now I'm ate up with providing for my family. I want to buy, you know, right now I've, I've got, I own 40 acres here in Kansas and I own, I'm 50, 50 partners with dad on 178, 177 acres down in Oklahoma. Um, so right now I'm, I'm ate up with taking that money that I would typically spend on big trips and I'm just putting it into land right now. And, you know, Lord willing, I'd like to build a nice house, you know, um, out on one of these pieces of property one of these days. Um, but we're just paying off, paying off some debt, um, getting out of debt and, and paying off this, this land. And, um, so that's eating away at the, the funds, I guess, to hunt. Um, September is <laughs> <laughs> the baby's due July 25th. Um, so that gives me what a month of a newborn there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hunt. There's something for sure. Now, whether it's, I'm debating on Utah elk. Um, I went on a, went elk hunting in Utah this last year. Um, a, just a good friend of mine. He put me, he put me in a couple of good spots. Um, and I was very thankful and, and I'm kind of surprised that he shared those spots with me. Uh, cause that's, that's half the battle. If you're somebody that has to travel to get to the mountains, you know, as you're going to find, um, you know, you're going to eat, eat some tag sandwiches just to, to know the area. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you kill an animal the first trip, I mean, it's going to be extreme luck is what it's going to be. Um, you just happen to get extremely lucky. Um, cause half the battle is just finding the elk. And I'll just tell you right now, if you don't hear them bugling at all, if it's that time of year, if you don't hear them bugling, you might as well just pack up and leave cause they're not there. Um, you'll usually hear them at night and that, you know, so but yeah, so I, I've got a, I've got a spot in Utah that for sure <laughs> I know there's out there and there's good ones. Um, so that is, that's on my plate. Um, I've got another spot in New Mexico. Um, I actually met a guy down there at the ranch. I, I chased mule deer down there this last year in January. Um, I'm debating whether or not to go down there in September because that's also a nice hunt to be able to go down in January. Cause you can hunt those in January and, and you know, my whitetail season here ends December 31st. Okay. 
So it's nice to just extend hunting season, you know, cause then you, you reach suicide season where you can't hunt anything, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's nice to have that hunt as kind of a, to fall back on. It's like, well, whitetail season in Kansas is over with bummer. Oh, Hey, we've got New Mexico mule deer. Awesome. So I may save that for January. Um, I don't know. I'm uh, right now kid is priority number one. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wing the rest. I'm also considering, um, hiring a full-time camera guy, um, to do some of my editing and stuff on, and just maybe seeing what his time frame is as well. Um, whether or not we were able to film it. If, if he winds up coming on board, we'll probably do the Utah elk trip. Um, if not, then I'll probably do the, the New Mexico mule deer just because it's, if I'm going to try to film it myself, that would be a hunt that would be a little bit easier to film myself. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I didn't put any in for any tags. Um, they're all over the counter units that I'm going to be hunting. Of course, the, I get a landowner's tag with that New Mexico deal. So that's a, that's a pretty sweet deal down there. I, uh, man, I was going to say that's a nice hookup because dang, that's a, um, that's a pretty tough draw for a non-resident that New Mexico tag. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. And I, and I've got access to that for the next, uh, basically I built their website and put together a promo video for them and, and gave them a Facebook page and all that. And in exchange, I've got the the right to go down there for the next five years. Um, I'd say so uh, you pretty uh, much came out on top with that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, I got a I got a heck of a deal on that. So now you know it's self guided. You know, obviously I, I still have to go down there and and uh, find them and whatever. But they they've at least got the land and they're there. They're not a. I wouldn't say there's a ton of them, but they're there. And I, uh, yeah, I encountered a big one my last my last two sets uh, in January, and he's. And well, he'll still be alive and he's a stud. Uh, he'll be a stud this year for sure. So that one's happening for sure. Now, whether it happens in September, or it happens in January, that one, that one's going to happen for sure. Um, just cause I'd be an idiot to not take advantage of the landowner tag and, um, the ranch that they've got down there and free, you know, free and clear other than I have to buy the tag. Um, so that's definitely happened, but whether it's in September or January, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right now I'm just kind of in uh, baby mode and, and uh just getting his room ready and um so is it yeah, uh, gonna know. be I, real uh, tree bedding and all that good stuff <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's a safari theme in fact uh it's funny i just got back from from the job that i've been working and and i got back to the house and the wife had done a little bit more work to the room and she uh yeah so we've got a safari theme and she's got a little giraffe hanging up i'm like Heck yeah, that's that's the kid's first shoulder mount, you know. It's, uh, I'll have to take a picture of it and post it for you here later tonight. But yeah, so it's it's hanging up and it looks like a little shoulder mount giraffe, you know. Like, yep, the kid's gonna be a hundred percent. He's already so got good. his first shoulder mount up there. Oh on the man, wall. he's gonna be born so, to take exotics, man. Just right off, exactly, I'm jealous. Yeah, the kid's a stud. He's not even born yet, and he's already shot more than his dad. So he's a yeah, he's a stud. So he's a better hunter than I am already. So yeah, it's just so good. Um. Wow. So, uh, looking at the time here, I mean, shoot, I can, uh, I could just sit and honestly, uh, talk with you for, for hours on end, I feel like. Um, but we are definitely going pretty long and I don't think anybody here is going to listen to uh, a four hour podcast. Right. I would, I, nobody's going to listen to me anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I have, I have absolutely no doubt that my listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. Um, so winding it down, uh, any final thoughts, maybe uh, maybe a word of encouragement or advice for, you know, someone like like me, for example, who is 
who is new to hunting, may or may not, you know, be from the city and just in general feels, you know, a little intimidated or overwhelmed by all of this stuff. There's so much to learn, so much to do, so much work to get done. Uh, what would you say to someone like that? Um, you know, you've, you've got to start. I mean, if you, if you never take that step, you're never gonna, um, you know, and I'm a guy from Kansas. I mean, we don't have any mountains here in Kansas as far as if you're talking about the back country, you know, backpacking in stuff. Um, you know, you've got to just start obviously do your research. I mean, it can be dangerous back in there without a doubt. Um, but you've got to start. Um, so just do your research, do your homework. And like, you know, if you're that worried, you can always pack back to the truck. You know, I mean, <laughs> if you get back in there and you find out maybe you don't, you ran out of food or, you know, or you just start to get scared or something. I mean, but you've got to go. I mean, you know, and it's uh, it can be some scary country. Make sure you've got a good GPS. I can tell you that right now. Um, yeah, you definitely want a good GPS. Now, you know, the mountains in Utah, I mean, where I was hunting, it's kind of funny. I had a guy, a, a hater post on a, on a post I made uh, the other day. Um, just kind of questioning, I guess my backcountry skills or whatever. And shoot, I mean, there's guys out, I obviously I don't live in the mountains. Um, but, uh, you've got to start somewhere. Um, and you know, he was making some comment about, uh, me, backpacking in or oh i was filling my feeders is what i was doing i was out on my farm filling my deer feeders and uh he made some comment about packing it in or whatever and uh and so we just got into a little discussion there and um you know i got to think a little backcountry yeah i mean i realized i got the name backcountry bow hunter and i live in kansas <laughs> um i don't know if that's an oxymoron or not but at the same token like i still enjoy those trips just as much as anybody um and i have every intentions to do more of that stuff um, I want to travel the world and hunt. You know, I want to, like I said, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go to, uh, you know, there's a, I'm actually talking to a guy in Hawaii right now. Um, it's possibly hunt some, some mouflon ram out there and, uh, possibly some access gear. So I want to hunt everything. Um, but you know, you look at Salt Lake city. I mean, I was, I was in the mountains out there and I mean, you're not that far from the city. I mean, there's places I hunt here in Kansas that you're further from a town than I was in the mountains there. And you, you know, you can look over, over the city lights. So now you get in Montana, those mountains, those suckers stretched forever. I mean, we got back in there and you weren't seeing any city lights where we were at. That's, uh, that's some dangerous stuff there. Um, not to say the mountains aren't dangerous cause I could see where it'd be hard to find you if they didn't know where you're at. Um, but as far as getting lost, I mean, you just walk to the city lights at night, you know, in Utah, I mean, you know, um, now if you got hurt, yeah, I could see that'd be a, a scary situation, but just be smart. I mean, be intelligent with what you're doing. Um, obviously research it, you know, get you a little first aid kit. Uh, you've got to have a phenomenal GPS. If you don't know where you're going, if you're going by yourself, uh, if you're hooking up with one of the local guys, that's extremely handy. I mean, that's, that's huge. And that's what I did out there in Utah. Um, the guy knew uh, we didn't even have to have a GPS. I still had one, but he knew exactly everything where he was going and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, even then I felt safer out there. Cause like I said, I mean, where we were at, I could see the city lights. So it's like, okay, if I get lost, well, I'll just walk towards the lights, you know, I'll be fine. Um, but if you're going to a place like Montana or you're going somewhere else, you know, New Mexico or whatever, some of those mountains are big, big, big. Um, and if that's the case, just, just know your stuff. I mean, have a GPS. And there was a couple times in Montana where my GPS was messing up and you talk about scary. Um, you can get turned around really quick back in there. Uh, especially at night we were, we were pushing it one evening, just really trying to huff it and, and go after some elk and, or what we, you know, yeah. Getting on what we thought were some elk at any rate or where <laughs> we thought someone would be. And, uh, yeah, we were just, 
we were just trying to cover a lot of ground, you know, cause you, you pack back in there that far. It's like, we've got to try to cover a lot of ground now to get back in here. And we, we, uh, we went quite a ways away from camp. Let's just say that. And so now we're trying to get back before dark because now your, your, uh, mountains start to change. You can't see your, your landmarks as easily when it's dark, you know, and you've got headlamps now. And yeah, there was a couple times there where my GPS, it, it just, it seemed like it was messing up. I mean, it was kind of turning around and flipping and, it got a little bit scary there. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I would probably, you know, take, I don't know. I just, for your first time, for sure, I would try to don't wander too far away from camp. Um, especially in the evenings of the morning, you're fine. Just keep, keep those landmark mountains and you'll, you'll see what, you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll have a couple mountains that they just stick out, you know, and you can see them in the daylight and like, okay, it's between that that gap there that we need to go through to get back to camp or whatever. Um, just have a good GPS. <laughs> that's, that's my encouragement. I, I would not, uh, would not spend money on a cheap one. I would, I would spend money on a, on a nice GPS. So, and like I said, you know, print off some maps before you go, or you can order maps or whatever. Um, and just be well calculated. But at the end of the day, you've got to start. If you don't start, you're, you're never gonna, so be smart about it and don't go, I wouldn't go alone. You know, I'd have somebody else with you or whatever. I'd never do it alone. We were in Montana and there was a guy that got lost and this is a guy that lived in the mountains. I mean, this oh, is a wow. guy that knew the mountains like the back of his hand. Um, and sure enough, he got lost and we were on our way out and we stopped at a little convenient, a little gas station, um, you know, way out of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere and we're getting gas. And we saw these, you know, these wanted essentially like a wanted poster and they're looking for this guy. And uh, we actually kept in touch with a lady there, and um, we ended up finding out that they found the guy, but they, he was dead. Jeez, my poor mother definitely doesn't need to hear this part of the podcast, so, that's for sure. Yeah, when you hear stuff like that, that's, and this is a guy that knows the mountains, you know, so I don't, I don't know exactly what happened if he got, you know, his foot stuck or broke a leg or, you know, I don't know what happened. Um, but he was a local guy who knew those mountains in the back of his hand, and they found him dead. So... Yeah, I would. It's it's scary. I mean, it's not a. It can definitely be an intimidating place. But like I said, you, you just be smart about it, and and you got to do it. You just grow a pair and just go do it, and you'll you'll start to learn. You know, you'll you'll start to figure it out, and you'll start to learn. And I'm still learning. I mean, I'm not a a veteran of this by any means. Um, but you got to start somewhere. So, yeah, just just give her a shot, and and just know that you're probably gonna eat a tag sandwich. I mean, unless you just you know, go with an outfitter or something. Um, if you're doing a do-it-yourself deal, yeah, it's, you're going to have to play. You're going to have to spend the money to, to figure it out first, and then you'll start to find where the elk are, and, and then you'll find that they're probably going to be there, you know, year in and year out for the most part. Um, but that first tag, you're probably just going to probably just going to burn that one. <laughs> so, well, so if people wanted to follow you online, the, I've got, let's see, two Instagrams here for you. I've got, of course, backcountry bow hunter. And then I've also got whitetail addicts. Yeah. Uh, where else can people reach out and find your stuff online? I mean, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I guess just Google my name or Facebook it in there and, and find it. And, you know, I guess you can follow me on there. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube. And I think the, the link should be in my Instagram deal. Um, yeah, you can find me on YouTube and that we post a lot of all my videos and stuff are on YouTube. You can see a lot of stuff on there. Um, and I'm really pushing that more than anything than, than Vimeo right now. Um, yeah, so you can find me on YouTube. Um, and obviously, you know, we've got a couple of websites that are kind of in the midst of getting rebuilt. Um, backcountrybowhunter.tv is one and then whitetailaddicts.com is the other. So yeah, I guess that should be it. Should be it. 
Sounds good. I'll uh, make sure to gather all those links together and get them posted up on the show notes page. That will be livingcountryinthecity.com slash 14. Um, I'll post up the links to your socials and uh, all those uh, short films up there. Okay, awesome, man. I appreciate it. Well, Brett, I just really want to say thank you again for taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk with me. Um, I would really personally enjoyed hearing your story, and I'm sure the listeners will absolutely love this episode. Um, we definitely need to do another one of these again sometime very, very soon. Well, hopefully it's a little more exciting, I guess. I hope it's not. I hope it don't bore your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Hardly. They're going to love it. Well, yeah, give me a holler whenever, man. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. That's it for Living Country in the City, episode 14. Check out all those links on the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 14. Make sure you give Brett a follow and watch those films. They are absolutely great. Now, in the meantime, stay country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 